tonight real quickly. I, the Lord shared this word with me today. I want you to know this. Don't allow your freedom in Christ to be a stumbling block to others. 1 Corinthians 8 9 says, Be careful, however, that you exercise your rights. Your, your exercising of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, you are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly. 1 Corinthians 10.23 and 24 says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but everything is not beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Not one should seek his own good, but the good of others. Just, Luke chapter 17 verse 2 says it'd be better for them to to have been thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck to cause one of these little ones to stumble. And I somebody shared with me this week and I would agree with this that when we say those little ones we're not just talking about little kids. We're talking about those who are young in the Lord, those little lambs. Don't allow your own freedom, the things that you say I can do this and maybe you're right. But don't allow that to be a stumbling block because it would be better if a millstone was hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea, he says. Don't allow those things that you say, well, it's okay for me to do this. It may be. But if it causes someone else to stumble, you better get away from it. Because I'll tell you right now, if you cause another one to stumble, he's telling it, he's saying it right here, you're better off, you might as well just, you might as well just be cast into the sea. So we, gotta, we get into this place where our freedom isn't... We're not just talking about... See, he's not just talking about our kids. He's talking about how we live. See, actions speak louder than words. We say, I'm this, I'm that in Christ. The reality is, is what are we truly in Christ? See, words can be crowded out by our actions. You want to influence others? Don't let your freedom in Christ to dilute your words. The person you most influence, your spouse, your kids... See, so many times, you have the answer. I want you to know right now, some of you guys, you have the answer for your spouse. You have the answer for what's going on. But because of the lack of witness in your own life, our actions have been dismissed because of, by the truth. See, the person next to us, our kids, our family members, they retreat because what they hear is not what they see. They retreat because they're blinded by me. See, we were just out of town this week, and I thought to myself as we were out of town, you know, this would be my opportunity to do whatever I want to do. This would be my opportunity. If I want to indulge my flesh, nobody would be around to watch. If I wanted to watch a movie, not an X-rated movie, but maybe just an R movie, an adult movie, Something that God would be displeased with. This would be my opportunity. See, but the thing is, is God's watching. My spouse is watching. My family could be watching. And the very testimony that I want to bring. See, there's times I can say, you know what, I have this revelation, I have this truth. But see, my wife won't be able to hear it because what she's seen in my life, how I've been living over here. And so many times, that's how we are. Husbands and wives, I'm talking to all of us tonight. I'm talking to you and your friends. I'm talking to you and your boyfriend and your girlfriend. Your words are crowded out because of the actions that they see. How could, you know, if he's really the man or the woman of God that they say they are, they wouldn't do that. 
And the problem is, is sometimes you may have the, the, an answer. You may have a truth. But the problem is, is the truth is diluted because of my witness. By those around us. They can't, they can't see it. I've heard people say, why won't my husband listen to me? Actions have spoken. Why won't my kids hear what I'm saying? My actions have spoken. I was thinking about it. There's some friends of ours back in, in um, Kentucky that they, they're, what is it, honey? Is it they're um, Jewish, uh, Messianic Jews. They won't eat pork. Okay? But they have no problem indulging and getting drunk. See, this is going, won't do, certain people won't do certain things on a Saturday. But they have no problem doing all this other silliness over here. See, we, our, our lives should match up with what we're saying. If I run around and say, oh, I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to do that, but then, they, then my life isn't that example, then, then exa- what am I really teaching? What am I really preaching? My life is what's being preached. And they can't hear because what they see. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. All the time, everywhere, when no one's looking, do the right thing. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. The number two thing I want to say, I only get two points tonight. Secondly, is in this season, it is in this season and the timing of God is everything. How many times have people came to me and said, hey, I need you to talk to my husband. I need you to talk to my wife. I need you to talk to my kids. And the problem is, is they're not even ready for the truth. They're not ready to hear how many times I have done this. Hey, you need to help me in this situation. Help counsel me in this situation. They're not ready for it. I don't know what pastor it was back in the 1700s, Pastor Mark, but I don't know if it was George Whitfield that had a little group he had chairs over on a side. And what he would do is these were the seekers. The rest of the church was the church. But these were the seeker group. And they would come and they would just listen. Because he knew, he, I believe he's the one that said, there are so many stony ground Christians, or stony ground people, that I've reserved judgment to whether they're truly a Christian for a time and a season. One of them one time got up and said, I'm ready. I'm ready to accept Jesus Christ. He says, no, you know what? Go sit back down. What if we, see, if we would do that today, oh, how offensive that would be. How impolite that would be. But the truth of the matter is, is when 80% of this country professes to know Christ, and I just read in a statistic today that only 20% regularly go to church. The statistics are way off. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says, Now the Brian Jews were more noble than 
those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. The part I wanted to see is, is, is about this season and the timing of God is that they received the message with eagerness. The word eagerness here means refers to something that is already willing. They're being, they're, they're, they have a disposition which is pre-inclined, ready and willing to receive the word of God. How many times we want to Go out and just evangelize the world. And the problem is, is they're not ready yet. The timing of God is not in, in, in season yet for them. The things that are going on in our life, God has a time and a season. In fact, Jesus, even in Jesus was subject to that. Look in, in or let me look, look at this. Luke chapter 12, verse 12 says, For the Holy Spirit will teach you that the time, what you should say. See, he was telling you that there's a, there's a, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you by the work of the Holy Spirit working in your life, I will show you what to say and when to say it. I think back in my life, I think that so many times if I would have just waited for the right season, readiness of the Spirit, if I had said, you're not ready, sit down. See, Jesus even waited. In Galatians 4.4, 4, it says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. When the set time, the King James Version says, when the fullness of time had come. See, getting in time in with the Spirit isn't something we can do overnight. Yes, it's learned, it's taught in a cer certain way, but it is more also, it is caught, it is lived, it is experienced, it is abided in, and then it is confirmed. And let me say this, if you're out there alone and you're doing your own thing, you are not walking in the Spirit. For 2 Peter 1.21 says, For the prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets through human though human, spoke from God as though we were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, much of what we see in the prophetic world today, 10% is God and 90% is emotion. It should be reversed. 90% God with 10% emotion. The human element cannot be taken out of prophecy. See, it's, it's inception. It's born of. It is birthed in. It is protected by God. It is the wind of the Spirit at work at our backs. It is setting our sails up to capture that moment and in that time, in that word, in that prayer, walking in holiness, following after God in His Word, walking in that holiness, walking in discipline in those who are over us. Over us. See, I don't like that. I don't want somebody over me. I don't want to be told maybe what I should do. I'm going to tell you right now, you will not walk in step with the Spirit of God unless you walk under discipline and under those who are authority over you. You will not be in step. It is so easy to get out of, off course. It is so easy to get out of step, out of rhythm with the Holy Spirit. Our rebellious nature will kick in, it will fight with, it will contend with the Spirit of God. See, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He won't force himself. If our flesh wants to lead, He will allow it. Galatians 5.25 says, So we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That word keeping in step means to walk in row, in rank, in, in line, in, in accordance. It's, it's like in stride, in cadence with the Spirit of God. Everything in this world wants to knock you out of step. It wants to knock you out of rhythm with the Holy Spirit. Our very flesh will rebel against it. It hates it. 
1 Corinthians 9.27 says, No, but I strike a blow to my body, and I make it a slave after that, so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. I want you to know that this is not accomplished by deliverance, by waving a magic wand. It is hard work. It is effort. It is discipline. It is just like Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, if your, if your hand offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, cut it out. See, there's, he didn't say, go and deliver yourself. He said, strike a blow. This word striking a blow means this. It means to properly, to strike under the eye, giving someone a black eye. I strike under the eye, to bruise, to treat severely. That's how he's saying we're supposed to put our body into submission. We're actually to molest it, annoy it, harass it, until it gives in to the Spirit of God. Are you following me here for a moment? Are you seeing what I'm saying? It isn't going to just happen like magic. It is going to be this fight that battles us. I am not going to allow this to keep happening to me. Second Corinthians 10.5 says we demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When we say we demolish when we demolish arguments, we're saying we take them down for ourselves. We forcibly yank them down. We destroy them. We leave nothing standing or even in good working order. Do you hear me what I'm saying? You can't leave sin in good working order. You've got to tear it out. He says take it captive. What does he mean by that? He means subdue it, ensnare it, make it a prisoner. Don't look to the world for your role model. Your role model is Christ. Perfection. Holiness. Can we expect that today? Yes. Because see, the world is looking for something. Ron just said it. They're looking for something real, genuine, holy, set apart, vulnerable yet strong, reliable yet tempered. See, because of Jesus, we can do this. The chasm between where I want to be and where I am, He enables me to achieve. He enables me to believe. He enables me to walk further and harder and stronger and contend longer. The fire inside of me. See, God's saying, listen, if you truly want this, I am the rewarder of those who diligently seek me. It cannot be, as I've said, you can't just be come in here and go, oh, I'm, I'm challenged by that message, Greg. No, it has to change us. If you're challenged by a message and nothing happens, then you might as well sit at home and watch TV. But if, if, if you come and you go, listen, I was challenged by that and change has to happen. I am going to yank down these things that have, have overcome me. No longer am I going to allow them to stay in my life. I am going to look more like Jesus every day. Can that happen in this day and hour? I believe it can. I believe that Jesus said, listen, he goes, I'm looking for a church without spot or wrinkle. A church that has groomed themselves, readied themselves for Jesus. He's preparing a church. He said, he's preparing a church for himself. He's preparing a bride. He's preparing a bride. Tonight, I want to close with a song that Thad and Stacy played on Sunday, Soul on Fire. As I was hearing it, I thought, this is what we need. A soul that is on fire for God. That is sold out, that has given up everything, 
and says, God, I need that in my life. I need the fire of God. I need your fear of the Lord to come upon me so that I stop doing what I'm doing. Even when nobody's looking.